welcome to today's episode. Just a couple of minutes for three o'clock here on Thursday, June 3rd. As you know, I was uh, not the Maximilian winner again, although it did it did hit me this morning. Maybe you know. I could just Google it by the time you'd let me know since you're not listening to this live and I'm recording now and you get it when you get it. And I do thank you for, uh, for getting it. And we will take suggested topics if you'd like to request them. You know, it's easy to track me down on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may. Do we have to register each week or once we're, we've submitted into the system, into the matrix, then we're in the running? Because we got three more chances to win that million dollars. Jonathan Carlisle, um, it, we heard last night around 7.35 that uh, he was a winner. Uh, our very own Toledoan, I guess he works at Amazon. Uh, he missed the mayor. He missed the governor's call, but then called him right back. And he seems like a really good dude. Everybody in the local media seemed to have uh, tracked him down sometime early in the evening, not too late. Got some quotes from him. Seems like a humble guy. He wants to buy a house, pay off some bills. I'm, uh, I guess, I'm friends with and, and had a little bit of a dialogue with his uh, his girlfriend Angela. And so. I I wanted everybody else to talk to Jonathan first, all the local media, maybe get him on Danny's show or anything like that. And, you know, if not, if not, fine. Some, sometimes people just, like Naomi Osaka, sometimes people just want their anonymity, even though you can't be, as we found out, with this Vaximillion, weren't going to be able to be to remain anonymous. But uh, I, before Jonathan shut down his Facebook page, I saw that he is uh, he's a bit of a nerd. He likes some of our nerdy things. So I sent a message over to Angela. I was like, you guys have an open invite to come on the podcast. We'd love to have you on. Yeah, we can talk about winning a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. Tell me how much you actually get, taxes taken out, how would you get to spend, blah. Let's talk about Star Trek. Um, that's very niche, and so is today's um, episode of the podcast and guest. It's Jake Mercer. I, met, I came across Jake, man. Maybe about three years or so ago. Because about three years ago, we were getting ready for the World Cup. Like, the big World Cup. The one that the U.S. missed out on. But it's always still a big event. And we have a pretty passionate soccer community around here. And maybe at that time, the Clotta was still open. Or maybe it closed by that time. I'm not sure. But I came across Jake and uh, met Sean Hoover. Uh, Sean does full 90. We'll talk about where that is in today's um time with Jake, but Jake is a part of Toledo Villa FC. We've got some some local soccer right here over at UT. They're, uh, they're, they're a deal. They're on the pecking order of soccer in the country, and I know for decades it's been American soccer is going to be something one day, and it kind of finally is, and if you saw any news websites over the weekend, you saw who and why American soccer is a thing. And we'll get into the weeds a little bit here, but um, with some players and why we should look forward to the World Cup next summer. But there's also some other things to keep an eye on. Jake knows his soccer. I appreciate him coming on. And also, he's a city planner for Finley. So we don't talk too much about Finley on the podcast, but there are some things to get into with that as they are growing and emerging, just like we are here in Toledo and the surrounding areas. Let's welcome in Jake Mercer. After uh, like nearly three years, I finally get to talk to you again. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It was, uh, what was it, right before the uh, 2018 World Cup, you had me and Sean on. Yep, yep, yep. It was a fun tournament. Uh, it was, it was. So, are you still doing 
city of Finley stuff, city planning? Yep, yep. I'm down in uh, Hancock Regional Planning Commission. Um, we do a bunch of planning <laughs> projects for the city and the county. Um, you know, city planning commission, kind of has some government bureaucracy stuff. But in the, in the uh, small spare time I have, I uh, try to devote to uh, volunteering and helping out in the soccer community. So, so since yeah. we la- last left things two and a half, uh, almost three years ago, what's been happening here locally with the Toledo soccer scene? I, I know we kind of lost a year with COVID stuff, yeah. but uh, have have things grown? Have they stayed static? Tell me what's happening. So, yeah, like you said, we kind of had a lost year there. Um, but now in the off season, we actually had some exciting news with uh, Toledo Villa FC, um, our local uh, semi-pro pre-professional team. Uh, they made the jump to a new league, uh, the USL League Two. Um, this is, a, if you kind of equate it to the Major League, Minor League Baseball equivalent, um, this is a summer collegiate league kind of the equivalent to like a single a baseball type Mm -hmm. of a a league um they specialize in housing collegiate players over the summer um giving them a a place to play during their college off seasons basically is it Um, mostly is it mostly local or regional college players or do they come from all over the country yeah so we've got kind of a great mix of uh local players we've got 10 local guys um, there's a, a group of, there's five of them that are from Bowling Green University, State University, um, that have local ties. Um, Joey Akpanuno, um, Nathan Masters, Eli Shope, um, Kale Nichols, Brendan Graves, uh, played, these guys played at, you know, Perrysburg High School, St. John's, uh, Northview. Um, we got a couple guys, um, Colin Clark, who is a former St. Francis guy, um, We've got a couple guys from Anthony Wayne. Um, so kind of all over Northwest Ohio, you know, this is, uh, gave us a good core of, of local talent. And then we've brought in some international and uh, top collegiate talent from the area and kind of all over the country, really. Um, our head coach, uh, Matt Johnson, he's a, a Lord's University coach. Um, and his assistant, um, Tyler Brock, is from University of Northwest Ohio. So they had some good connections with um, the NAIA programs kind of all over the country. And we've been able to bring in some of those guys to help um, sprinkle in with the uh, the local talent that sure. we had. So Sorry, good, if I, forgive, me, forgive me if I bounce all over uh, the, the place no, today. Um, so which, what high school has the best soccer program in the area? Um, kind of rotates around um st john's is uh, has been a, a traditionally uh good school um you know recently you know again joey um Akpanuno, um kale nichols um they they both ended up going to uh bg um you know other years it's anthony wayne has had a good program uh, zach mocha who's with us he ended up going to uh, duquesne university out in pittsburgh um you know, Perrysburg punches above their weight every once in a while. Northview is usually good. So it, it kind of depends on the year, but um, we've got a lot of good programs in the area. Um, 
also Ottawa Hills, um, they, they've always kind of been dominant at the, at the D3 high school level. Um, they've made it to the couple runs to a, the state championship. Um, I believe two years ago, they were in the state final. So um, they're another one that kind of punches above the weight of uh, at the state level. Tell me more about uh, Toledo Villa FC. Where, where are the games? How can somebody follow it a little bit more closely? Yeah. Um, and this offseason, I uh, started volunteering for them. Um, during the pandemic, I was not really doing much. And I, I just thought, hey, I run social media accounts for my, you know, my my men's team and some of the leagues that I've been doing. So I've been kind of helping out behind the scenes with that. So um, they had moved to uh, the University of Toledo, um, Paul Hopper Field. Um, they it's the uh, women's uh, stadium. Um just kind of in between uh, the glass bowl and uh, the hockey arena um, there on campus. Um, it used to be a, a kind of a track and field um, type of a venue, but now they've added some seating and um, it looks really nice and great, um, great surface and um, just has been really good. Um, only, you know, slight problem that everyone's been dealing with is uh, COVID restrictions kind of limited sure. capacity for the, for the moment. Um, you know, so tickets aren't, you know, totally available for everyone, but, uh, you know, we're still trying to pack it in as much as we can. And, um, as restrictions loosen, you know, we've been able to, um, deal with that as it goes. So the season, ha- uh, the season has begun, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Um, we're about, we've played five games so far. Um, two wins, two draws and one defeat. The first, the first game of the season, um, we lost, uh, away at Flint city bucks who are the, uh, defending champions of the league. Um, so they're a historic team from the, uh, from the league who have graduated players onto, um, professional level at, you know, MLS standards. Um, a couple guys who have played at Columbus crew, um, in MLS, guys might recognize some of these names like Lalas Abubakar, um, Eric Bruner, uh, Steve Clark, uh, goalkeeper, um, who played, played in Columbus for a while. Now he's out in September. How, uh, you're still with me starting to get all fuzzy. Yeah. There you are. Sorry about that. Um, how far away, uh, and I know you mentioned like minor league baseball, major league baseball is always the mm -hmm. easy analogy. How many levels away is MLS from Toledo Villa? Um, so this would be the de facto fourth tier. Um, but USL itself has kind of three tiers of play. So the USL championship, kind of the de facto D2, um, that was a league that um, people might recognize. FC Cincinnati played in it for a few years. Um, they've been playing their games down in uh, UC's football stadium before they made the jump to MLS. Um, then there's USL League One, which is the third division, and then us at League Two level. Um, Third division and second and the um, second division are completely professional. The league two is that, you know, pre-professional quote unquote, where you're getting a lot of these college guys looking to make the jump to the professional level mm -hmm. after that. So um, I know that we're kind of, in, I guess we're, we're in between um, 
two pretty rabid soccer hotbeds. You mentioned Columbus Crew. I'm, I'm going to guess that people are familiar with that because they've been in, with MLS, I think, since the onset, like 25 years or so ago. Um, and I know they've got a rabid scene. Columbus, the, the crew almost moved and they kept them there. And I think there's a new stadium. So it's a great scene there. I know it's a growing scene uh, up in Detroit. Is that Detroit FC? Did I get that one right? Uh, uh, Detroit City FC. Detroit yeah. City FC. And they're in Hamtramck, yeah. right? Correct. Yep. They've got a, a pretty rabid fan base. So, um, how would you how would you rate or talk about or brag about um, soccer interest here in the Toledo area, Speci- specifically, obviously around uh, Toledo Villa, but just generally around the area? Whether or not people are interested, how they could follow it more, things that they don't know about, but is it a growing interest in our area? Yeah, I think so. Um, we've had, you know, the Columbus Crew have been around since '96, so we've had a kind of big group of supporters who have been making trips down to Columbus for a long time. Now Detroit city's close by too. you can make the, a a little bit of a shorter trip up the road, but um, in terms of Toledo itself, you know, with Villa, this is kind of giving people the opportunity to to watch something locally um, during the summer months. And so um, I think the communities out there is just getting them to realize that this is something that they can do instead of having to drive, you know, two hours, three hours to Columbus or Cincinnati or Detroit, you know, to get that high level of uh, soccer game. I was thinking about this as I was cr- trying to come up with questions and things for us to talk about. And the, uh, the champions league final just happened over the weekend. And I can only mm-hmm. imagine tens and tens of millions of people watch that. It. It's probably the biggest match on, on the planet. And I remember I got into uh, watching the EPL and some other leagues, I guess in the, uh, like 2008, 9, 10, 11, I'd wake up on a Saturday morning and, you know, before college football came on, I'd, I'd watch some of the EPL games. And I always enjoyed um, the men's national team. And I'm, I'm wondering if watching leagues like, specifically the EPL and, and some of the other big leagues, actually became a deterrent from gaining me getting more interested in MLS where you always want to have pride for where you live and in your country. It's just not at the same level as some of the other leagues around the world. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's almost a bad gateway for people who you want to attract to soccer to watch the champions league final when you're not going to get anything near that, like here in this country domestically, but the game is growing and we are getting better players and attracting talent from around the world. Is, is watching an EPL game a bad way to start getting interested in soccer? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a bad way to start. I mean, you gotta, everyone starts somewhere. Um, I I think with the, uh, the kickoff times, a lot of times you're watching those games early morning on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, so it, it's it's not necessarily keeping you from having a you know a game in the evening that you you come out to locally. Um, you know all of our games for Toledo Villa are um, typically Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. You know in the evening time. So you know if you're looking for kind of a night out, you know where you get to jump around, chant, have a beer. You know that that's a, a different type of experience than, you know, watching on the, on the television. Sure. Um, sure. So I, I guess it's a little, it's a little different. Um, and I, again, you, like you mentioned, the, the quality of play is, you know, almost apples to oranges because of the amount of money that goes into the European game than um, here locally. But um, 
I, I don't think it's a bad way to start. You know, you, sure. everyone kind of latches on to, you know, the, the big teams and then you kind of discover that you've got this local thing um, available and you can actually be a part of it um, rather than, you know, your once in a lifetime trip to uh, Europe where you, you pop in for one game and that's it. Um, so how can there's a little bit more ownership? Yeah. How, ownership on the, the games. How can people be a part of it? How long does the season run? Um, and so the games are mostly on weekends. So that's, yep. that's really good. What's it cost to get into a game and, and some other things that people can be uh, involved with? Yeah. Typically uh, the uh, adult tickets, I think it, they, they run $10 um, and uh, under, I think I want to say uh, 18, I think are $5 each. Um, so again, easy, um, easy pricing to get in. Um, the season itself runs in the collegiate off season. So we started, um, right about the middle of May and it runs through about the middle of July. Um, and then they have playoffs after that. So wrapping things up re- early August before the, the players have to report back to their schools. Sure. Um, so with the playoffs, though, unfortunately, only one team from our conference gets to uh, advance, and we're still kind of in the thick of things. Um, we're in third place right now. Um, the top team uh, just lost last night, though, so um, kind of everyone's at this, like, you know, they've won two or three, tied a couple, and lost one. So we're, we're definitely still in the mix of things. If uh, results go our way the next couple of weeks, we could be in with a shout at the end of the season. Good. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I think when you were here last time, we talked a lot about you playing and where people can get involved with that. So, so you mentioned you play. Where can people, because I, I see it um, not infrequently, people are asking for active things to do when I'm scrolling the Toledo Reddit page. And, and soccer is always mm-hmm. one of the things that somebody brings up. So where can people play around the area? Uh, yeah, right now, <laughs> things are still kind of picking up um, coming out of the pandemic. Um the some of the the leagues that had been in operation have had to take a break and then getting out of the pandemic everyone's kind of taking things slow so i think this fall we'll start to see more leagues kind of come back into play um the there are two indoor facilities in town um once total sports down in rossford and then um the soccer center they operate out of uh mommy and uh, they have a rossford dome um, those offer leagues in the fall and in the winter. And I think that's kind of when we'll start to see people picking up teams again and kind of making it out into the world now that people are becoming vaccinated and, um, going from there. But yeah, even, even I took a, a year hiatus as a, you know, trying to stay safe and, sure. um, my wife's a teacher, um, locally. So just trying to make sure everyone, um, be in the work and all that stuff. So. Are there any places that do pick up games, at, like any of the metro parks that you know about? Um, we have been doing pick up in the past. Um, uh, I think mostly we've been uh, doing them at the soccer center now, actually, because mm-hmm. their off season r- rates are, are kind of nice. Um, that's um, off of Conant uh, there. Conant um, and Dussel. Um, I can't remember the address off the top of my head, but um, they just do drop-ins on Friday nights, I believe, for the cool. summer. 
Um, is is full ninety still a thing? Yeah, I, I think Sean pulled off of that. I think Sean had some some personal things going on. So, what do you know about full ninety these days? Because that was a great thing that was happening there, especially with all the big tournaments when we had uh, in, in eighteen and then in nineteen with the women. It's a great place to watch. It's it is the and then um, uh, the the Clada closed at the mall. So, and that was a great soccer bar. Is the Village Idiot's got to be the only soccer bar left in the area, right? Um, so actually the, the full 90 was at the village idiot. Um, but Sean, um, ended up moving out. Um, he's actually now at a place, um, it used to be the Paula Brown shop. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. The, and now it's, uh, the switchboard. So, um, Sean will be out there with the full 90. Um, I think they had their first event, um, the next to last week of the season for the the Premier League, they had a an event, and then I believe they had a Champions League day out there too. Um, so he's still kind of getting his feet wet, getting that location into everyone's brain <laughs> after years of being at the Village Idiot. So for sure, for sure, he's definitely looking um, at the Euros this summer. Um, the Olympics are coming up later for the the women's national team. Um, he's looking to host more events at that, that location. Um, then the other kind of big soccer bar in the area, um, in Sylvania, um, is, uh, Frogtown Johnny's, um, the owner there, um, Rob Combe, he's been in the soccer community for a long time. Um, coached at St. Ursula's and, um, kind of big into, um, hosting events and, and watching soccer out there too. So those are two, two good options for you. So I think, cause I think we're going to start inching back into the time where the casual fan, uh, maybe myself included, will get interested again because you mentioned the euros that's, that is this summer. Yep. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, they'll, they'll be starting here, um, either next week or the week after. And I know that's always that's argue. I know some people will make the argument that that's a better tournament than the World Cup because there's less bottom feeders, mm-hmm. um, some of which might come from this continent in in that tournament. <laughs> and then we've got uh, I don't know where the U.S. is in World Cup qualifying. I think there were some adjustments this year, but we're going to ramp that up, especially. And it'll be interesting to see if the casual fan will get interested, knowing that. Uh, the, the men missed it stunningly uh, back in 2018, but they're much better this year. And mm-hmm. like, there could be, there will be expectations as there always are, but they could actually meet those expectations if I'm not mistaken. Right. Correct. And uh, you mentioned the champions league final um, Christian Pulisic plays yeah. for, uh, for Chelsea. And he was the first American to make an appearance in a final and, and win. Um, so that was a really exciting moment for us men's national team fans. Um, well, he's the first American male to, to win the, the Champions League. I, I believe uh, Alex Morgan um, has also won the, the women's version. Um, so definitely uh, a big moment for the, for U.S. national team fans. Um, they actually play tonight. Um, they play Honduras in a competition called the CONCACAF Nations League, um, which is kind of a um, – in-between tournament um, between, you know, World Cups where the teams from around CONCACAF play each other. So like Honduras, Mexico, Canada, U.S., you know, they, they all kind of get together to see who who's one of the top national teams um, in, in the region. So um, they have like I, the sense I get from this year's team, obviously Pulisic will be in it. And it, for, 
for my entire life, for, for over three decades, almost four decades, you know, we keep hearing, uh, you know, we're going to have an American soccer star, and it wasn't this person, and it wasn't Freddie Adu, and, and Landon Donovan kind of peeked out what he was. Like, this dude is actually like the LeBron James of American soccer. It's legit, <laughs> as you just pointed out. Not only did he uh, win a Champions League title, like, he was an important part of that team as well. Like, he can put the ball on the back of the net. Yeah, we've, we've got... I don't want to necessarily call it a golden generation, but we definitely have a lot of young players who have started off in MLS and who have made the jump early to Europe. Um, so we've got Kristen Pulisic at uh, Chelsea. We've got a guy like Weston McKenney, is another center midfielder. He grew up at the FC Dallas Academy and is now at Juventus. Um, we've got guys um, like Gio Reyna, um, went through at NYCFC and then made the jump to Dortmund, um, kind of like Pulisic, you know, started up at, at Dortmund before making the jump to Chelsea. So we're seeing a lot of these young players getting opportunities with like Champions League level teams now, and they're yeah. actually contributing. And so they're all coming through together with the national team. And I think if we just nurture them correctly, things will be trending upward as we as we hit the World Cup. Um what what would you what would you say what would your expectations be even i mean we're we're a bit out from like real serious qualifying um but next summer we'll be here faster than we think what would your expectations be for them um for this young group of players Ho- I, I mean hopefully we, we we need we would really like them to make the tournament <laughs> i i know <laughs> yes. that was a bar that we were stunned that they didn't cross the last time we thought we had we had passed that stage of american soccer where we just get in all the time and then everything else is is up in the air but where would you put expectations for this team next summer um yeah definitely like you said i mean step one is just making the tournament um i know it's a they've kind of reworked qualifying so it's sh- theoretically should be easier for the U S and Mexico to, to make it. Um, did they, but ex- once you, did, did they expand CONCACAF qualifying? Is that what it was? Uh, so they kind of split up the, so the last stage used to be called the hex, um, where they had the top six teams play around Robin, you know, home and home against every team and the top three made it automatically. And the fourth team was the, um, they had to go through a playoff versus uh, someone else from, you know, South America or Africa to try to make it and it, strictly like a playoff. But now it's, um, I, I'm trying to remember it correctly. Um, I believe we've got like 10, I think it goes to 10 teams and they split it into two groups of five. And I believe Mexico and the U S are seated. So they won't be able, we won't see them necessarily play each other in that final um final round but you know what? Or no no i'm sorry I'm, i i was incorrect uh so it's a top eight teams so a little bit easier to to get to that third round um if they're gonna, if they're gonna scuffle against trinidad and tobago and panama though the likes <laughs> of those lesser tier teams from this side of the planet like they did four years ago it doesn't matter but i don't think that's mm-hmm. gonna happen this time around no and i i think um you'll you'll see some teams like costa rica um a lot of people saw them do really well at 2014 World Cup. They've had an aging golden generation, and now they're kind of phasing back out. Um, you might see a team like Jamaica actually do really well because they have a lot of dual nationals who are originally from England who have Jamaican heritage that are getting capped now. So they kind of 
the U.S. for years has been had it. You know, they've had this dual national um, pool of players that you know some guys like John Brooks are born in Germany but have American parents, and so they they qualified to play for us. And so now Jamaica's kind of taken a page out of our book and really looking for those dual nationals. So you could see some some countries like that pop up. Um, I still think that the U.S. is the way with our group they're kind of coming up together and they're really bonded. And I think there's a really good team spirit. And I, I, I think it's safe to say that we should be making the tournament. And once we get into the tournament, then it's kind of anyone's, anyone's guess of how we, we do, um, you know, what just making the tournament is getting you into that position to, to do well. And um, I think that we could pull off some surprises once we get there. Um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned that that the players now that put, make up the core of the team and a little bit beyond that they they're contributors they they play mm-hmm. at these high level clubs. I remember um, as things were coming along in in the two thousands, you'd check out and say, "Oh, that 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 guy transferred or whatever. He's in a big league now, or he bumped up uh, in in the Bundesliga." And then you'd only hope that they would play. Now these guys play, and mm-hmm. it's it's a roster full of them. So you would hope that th- that would portend better results in the World Cup. Um, not that that's the end all be all, but you know I remember you know twenty years ago the goal was in the twenty twenties for American soccer to be a a top eight top ten thing, and it just never happened. I mean, in the same way that COVID um, sidelined the planet for a year. I guess you could say that uh, whatever happened, all the nonsense with Klinsman and trying to figure out U.S. soccer <laughs> sidelined um, the country's soccer program for a good four to six years. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and missing out in the World Cup is obviously a huge detriment to that that young group that was coming through. You know, Pulisic was kind of primed to um, lead the team into that 2018 tournament. Um, so missing out on that experience and um, – kind of that high level of game is not great, but at the same time, they're getting at the club level, they're getting a lot of experience in champions league and Bundesliga, Premier League, Syria, La Liga. So these guys are contributing, contributing a much higher level. Now it, it's almost, it almost speaks to how good some of these guys really are knowing that they didn't go through the world cup tournament, even if they would have gotten blown out in three straight games. Um, being on that type of stage, being on that field with some of the world's best players gets you recognized. And they didn't have that. In fact, four years ago, it was pretty laughable and embarrassing that they didn't make the World Cup. But yet still, all these dudes came through uh, the U.S. soccer program and landed and started playing on some really good teams. Yeah, yeah, and this is definitely um, everything kind of builds on each other. But, uh, you know, the U.S. will be hosting in 2026 um alongside Canada and Mexico and the you know if this group can really put on a solid performance in 2022 then that will bode well four years down the line when they have more time to gel get some more young players into positions in Europe and um I think that when we host we could be a top team at that tournament as well it would be Um, great it would be great yeah um what was this oh is is the is next year's World Cup is that still in Qatar? It is, yeah. It, and it's not air conditioned. Did they ever figure out <laughs> the the heat problem yet? Because I know they were gonna they wanted to move it to a cooler time of the year, but that was going to mm-hmm. conflict with other leagues and and I think also the NFL. 
Yeah. Um, and there was some media rights issues along with moving it, but they, they did end up moving it in the end. Um, so it will be a little bit later than we're used to seeing. So it'll be a kind of Thanksgiving to Christmas time tournament rather than the, the traditional summer tournament that we usually see. So um, but, of, and they still, I, I think the stadiums are still air conditioned though. <laughs> if anyone really is you know, interested in making the trip out. They, well, they will I, have air conditioning. I know like they were talking about like temperatures and like, like 120 degrees and like people are going to die on the yeah. field and they wanted to move the core times where it's only 90 something. It's still hot, but yeah, I, I remember yeah. that being a big thing and I was disappointed. It must've been, it's 21. So got, 10 years ago when it was announced that Cutter got it and it was such a surprise when we were really pegged to have that world cup and um it, it showcased a lot of the corruption and questionable mm-hmm. decision making of uh of fifa yeah a huge scandal with that voting um, process which you hopefully don't see again moving forward um but at the same time you know it's great that we'll be having it again in 2026 and i think it's kind of given us a little bit of a better runway um to build some of this soccer infrastructure so you would say um as we're moving up you know a a city like cincinnati is considered uh, to be one of the host cities for the uh for the world cup um and that wouldn't have happened if um the tournament had been if we had been the 2022 instead you know um you know cincinnati started with a, a usl championship team about five or six years ago um, built a huge fan base, you know, they're getting 30,000 guys, um, in attendance. Um, now they have a, a new downtown stadium, um, you know, kind of close to over the Rhine neighborhood, um, walk near Washington park. Um, and it's, it's going to be beautiful. Um, and then they also, you know, the, the world cup, if they they're held, um, in Cincinnati that would be at the the Bengal stadium. So it'd be really cool to see a world cup being played in the state of Ohio eventually. Uh, For sure. But you know, 10 years ago, if you had said, you know, where are you going to host this? You know, Cincinnati wouldn't have even been uh, a consideration at all. So well, ten, 10 years ago, if you would have told me that MLS would just keep expanding like they are, I mean, it, it, it's been growing like its own kind of virus or disease. It's just new team after new team after new team. And that's why it's somewhat disappointing that Detroit hasn't been able to get one yet. Some of these other cities have put on really great performances and have been right place, right time, right geography. But it's been a little disappointing, I guess, that Detroit couldn't get one. And I think that there were some stadium issues, like they wanted a soccer-specific stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be great yeah. to see that right there. Yeah, Detroit's its own special case. Uh, the Detroit City fans are very much of this thinking of club over league. And so, you know, if MLS comes there, they, they want to be involved with their own kind of ethos. And so, um, you know, at, at the time, I believe it was Dan Gilbert and um, – uh, the Pistons owner, uh, Tom Gores. Gorse. Yeah. Tom Gorse. Yeah. Yeah. I believe they were both involved and the, they had gotten the Ford, um, Ford family kind of involved as kind of the stadium host, but, um, kind of cracks were apparent. And, uh, I know fans on the ground weren't overly thrilled with the, the bid that they had put together to try to get the team. So, um, maybe it's a, a small blessings that, you know, they're waiting for the right opportunity to, to come and, it seems like Detroit City, they're building things 
from the ground up. And when they're in Hamtramck, you know, they've renovated a, a local stadium um, that, that a high school uses um, with some public funding and um, they kind of crowdfunded their own stadium. So people, you know, fans were able to, to buy into the, um, there, there was a bond that was issued. And so um, they were able to kind of raise the money themselves and, and almost bootstrap it their, their own way. So, you know, if you go to a Detroit city FC game, you definitely get this like punk rock. We're building this ourselves. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have the billionaire owner here, you know, uh, supplementing our, uh, budget. So it, it's definitely a, a interesting vibe. Um, if you ever make it up to one of their games, they, what was some of the, the conflict with MLS? They, they either wanted to be taken or bumped up to MLS. They didn't want like an expansion team put there. Was that some of the conflict? Um, basically the, there wasn't a, a, a direct link to the, the club that was already existing. Got it. And so the fans were like, well, we've built this over so many years. We want to be a, a part of it when it, if, if we are going to go professional. So, um, last thing, and thanks for the time talking all the soccer stuff. It's been good to finally catch up as we kept missing each other. Um, yeah. Since you are planning city city of Finley things, what fun things are happening in Finley? Because we've obviously seen a lot of growth up here. Um, what's happening just down seventy five? Um, you know, planning wise, uh, we've got a lot of places that are um, looking to locate into Finley. Um, you know, recently. Uh, Peloton. Uh, yeah, they 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 were moving to Wood County, but I believe Finley was a uh, a candidate for for that facility, and we just missed out. But um, there's a lot of, of businesses that are looking to relocate here, and um, we've been in discussion trying to make sure we're attractive to to anyone who is looking to move here. So what do you, um, that's what what do you do to 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 keep it attractive and make sure that it's modern and contemporary for businesses like that? Um, definitely quality of life stuff. Um, you know, we've been working, you know, a couple of years back, I was working a lot on, um, you know, transportation alternatives. Um, so we, we've been trying to build up our bike infrastructure, um, and network around the city, uh, trying to connect our park system together, um, trying to promote our downtown business community, um, making sure people are, you know, kind of shopping local and, um, making it an attractive place for people to relocate job wise and have a good quality of life. And, you know, being right down the, the road from Toledo also kind of makes it an attractive place too, because, you know, we've got those amenities close by and um, yeah. If I was, uh, if I was going to take a, a night down 75 or from whichever direction to hang out in Finley, what would you, uh, how would you to tell, how would you tell me to spend the Saturday afternoon and evening? Uh, well, we, uh, we just instituted our, our own Dora, um, I saw so that. Yeah. We, uh, so downtown, um, hit up a place like, uh, Finley Brewing Company, um, on Crawford street. Um, you've got a kind of a speakeasy place, um, right next to it. Um, you know, there's just a couple of different restaurants downtown, um, that are available. And, uh, that's kind of what I would, I would hit up. Um, best place, so to, actually, best place mm, to get pizza in Finley. Ooh, <laughs> Um, we've got a place downtown called Dougie John's. Um, okay. that, that's where I usually hit up because I, I work downtown, but, um, yeah, we also got a beer barrel, um, out by the interstate too, which is also 
a, a good place to hit up. Yeah, I've heard that's really good. When they uh, when they popped up at Fallen Timbers, people had spoke very highly of them from other parts of the area, including Finley. Yeah. So, um, good to catch up. Thanks for all the time. Thanks for putting uh, Sean and Switchboard on my radar because I had no idea about that. I guess the Facebook algorithm was not being kind enough to mm-hmm. send that my way. But um, thanks for all the info. And uh, websites and Facebook stuff for Toledo Villa? Yeah, um, Toledo Villa doc, uh, ToledoVillaFC.com uh, is the website. Um, if you do ToledoVillaFC.com, slash tickets um you can get the tickets ahead of time um the the stadium is going to be paperless um this year um or uh, so we won't be doing uh cash at the stadium or anything like that so try to get your tickets before um head of game time um our next home game is uh next friday uh it'll be our our return game against uh, fort wayne fc we actually had a really good we played there um, first ever home game, which was quite the event. Um, Mayor Kapsikavich came over and uh, he and Mayor Henry from Fort Wayne flew in on a helicopter with the uh, the inaugural game ball for the event. That. So it was uh, a really exciting event to be a part of. Uh, Fort Wayne FC also um, has connections to the men's national team to Marcus Beasley, a four-time yeah. uh, World Cup uh, player he's part of their ownership group so he was there uh, both the mayors you know flew in on helicopter um, and we actually um, came out with a 2-1 win um, kind of spoiled the event for them but um, it was a really good event um, so they're coming up here next friday um, in the in a return leg um, we actually have a, a really good stretch of home games after that um, i believe so f- that friday we've got a game the sunday um, we'll play we have another home game um, against. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on that one, but no, um, don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. But yeah, oh, we've got a, a bunch of home games coming up in June. Um, you can check our, our Facebook at Toledo Villa FC um, website. Um, I also run a Twitter account for the team. Um, Instagram, you can find us Toledo Villa FC at all those. Um, Awesome. Well, thanks for the time. It was good. To, it's been too long. I'm glad we were able to catch up and talk some soccer. And uh, we've got a lot of it to talk about coming up. And um, people should not overlook Toledo Villa right here in our own backyard. So thanks for the time, Jake. Yep. Thanks, Eric. Take care, man. All right. Take care.